Compliance is a profession where people work tirelessly to make the world a better place. And there are hundreds of amazing and inspiring women who have helped the field develop into what it is today. Great Women in Compliance is part of the Compliance Podcast Network. So join Mary Shirley and Lisa Fine as they talk with women in compliance who are making a difference. Hi, this is Lisa Fine and welcome to the Great Women in Compliance Podcast that you can find on the Compliance Podcast Network. You can also find us on our homepage at Corporate Compliance Insights. I'm really excited to do this episode. It's a bit of a challenge for me, but my partner in compliance, my compliance spouse, my first friend in compliance, Mary Shirley, um, has done a couple of episodes now. Her second one was last week. Um, that was about her, her experiences. She calls it a soliloquy and some different things on her mind that are rants and raves. Once I listened her podcast, it really inspired me. It inspired me both in terms of the thoughts that she was having on her specific topics and some other things that have been top of mind. So here I am. I am going to talk about a couple of different things that have been in my mind as of late and also follow up on some of the points that she made. Um, first thing that she talked about was about misogyny, which is bad generally. You know, she was focusing on an experience that she had had recently and that was a part of our community. Um, that someone had reached out to her to talk about one particular topic and on some level really wanted to use it as more of a sales pitch and somewhat aggressive about it. Mary um, called it out and then received a response from the individual that was pretty rude. Um, and whether or not it was misogynistic or not, and I think it was, I completely agree with her, um, that behavior and treatment, almost the, I know better than you, is um, both, you know, something that's male and a little bit more generational. Um, the way she, one of the things she talked about was how is the best way to handle something like this? Was it appropriate to call it out? Did she do the right thing? She still thinks about it. Um, the answer on that is everybody has different approaches to things. But the other thing is she absolutely reached out candidly and also addressed it with the things that were on her mind and you know, addressed a, an experience where there was some either mansplaining or misogyny. We all have to be aware to be able to call that out. Um, one of the things that I thought about after listening to her story, there were a couple different things. The first is, um, as people may know, I'm a proud Gen Xer. Uh, Mary is a millennial. Part of when I, I started my career we worked under the same model or constraints as men and thought we need to do this better. We need to be just as good as anyone else. And we're going to be able to, you know, just by being excellent, break through some of the glass ceilings or other things. Clearly, we've seen some problems with that analysis and that approach over time. Um, also, there was no real balance. And I don't think that some of us valued our own personal time and life um, the same way you know, some of the, the same way that we could or some way that now the millennials say there's a lot out there that we need to do. I think we also took some of the misogyny for granted as that's how people do business as opposed to some of the male prejudice and bias that may be there. I don't think that everybody was bad intention during that time. I'm not going to speak to the intentions of the individual that, you know, Mary addressed. I will say that same individual reaches out to me and asks, you know, asks some other questions, which I, I'm not going to respond to because I don't trust it. 
Um, that's the importance of community, I think, in some ways, and the importance of women within the community and our male allies, which is, you know, um, Mary called out some of them. Um, there are just so many out there that you know, really get us through. Um, some of them have been our guests. I mean, I'm thinking about Jay and Matt, Jay Rosen, Matt Kelly, obviously um, in the Compliance Podcast Network. Then there are just so, so many others that are in many different places. Um, and I'm going to get back to that in a second. The other part of it is the idea that you use these conversations to talk about expertise as almost a bait and switch to make a sales pitch. Um, in terms of networking and trust, trust factors, that I think is a real problem in the ENC community when people are reaching out to us in sales. And I think you know, there are some people that you know, there's no, I understand that there are requirements on people's business and their cold calls, but Something that most doesn't feel right to me when somebody says they're so interested in the podcast and what we do, they want to talk to me, it comes up to being one of two things, sales pitch or product that I may not even need. And if I say, love to talk to you, but I don't do, for example, healthcare, so I don't need your, your product on HIPAA or any other thing. Um, and the person says, okay, well, then I don't want to talk to you. It's almost, you know, it seems anti-community and anti-behaviors that we all want. And I find that that happens you know, a little bit more often. Um, I think it's it's uh, counterintuitive to what people want to build, particularly that may not be in that job forever, but somebody may not forget that that happened. Um, I also think that there's a show of like a lack of substance or understanding on that. And I think the second point about, about that is that it just becomes a bit more of a problem of reaching out for no reason and a behavior of trying to make it sound like a community. And I'm going to just repeat again, there are people who will say, we love the podcast. And then they'll reach out to Mary and me at the same time and say, we can't wait to talk to you both. Most of you know Mary and I separate episodes with some exception. Um, so it's a real interesting thing, and it does happen a little more with men than women. Um, and it, it just, it comes off as insincere. So I don't know, to kind of come full circle on that point, if it's misogyny or insincerity or lack of knowing your audience. There probably is some combination of all of those things. But I absolutely think we all have to address and handle these things and forthright in the way that feels appropriate to us. My approach on these things is, is like I mentioned earlier, a little bit dictated on my you know, prior career um, and, you know, and, and starting in law firms and starting other things and you know, the life of being the worker bee, you know, still viewing maybe I'll end up in my first job forever, which we obviously know is not the case. Um, I do think, just so we're not unclear, tons of different kinds of biases, um, implicit bias still exists. That's something that I wanted to follow up on this briefly about is that's one of my 2021 goals. When people talk about what do you want to learn more about, um, what what will help you most in your career, I'm constantly thinking about diversity, what it means in many different facets. I'm realizing as I talked about misogyny before, I'm talking about it from a view of white woman. 
um, you know, people of color, people internationally, um, all of the different levels of diversity. We have a lot to learn um, about each other and how to be better in this community. And although I am learning, I'm also realizing that I have biases when I don't realize it. And I have a very dear friend who frequently will say, will remind me of something I it makes sense, and she'll remind me of some of the privilege in that approach. I am so grateful for that. But when I talk about misogyny or you know, any of the things related to diversity and doing better, I think there's this, it's important to stand up for themselves, yourself, which Mary did an excellent job on, always does. And on the other hand, learning about ourselves and our bias so we don't somehow continue to promote some of the things that we don't want to in the future. So with that, I'm gonna to go to a second thought that's a little different um, than where, where Mary went, obviously, because this is one of mine. It's the idea of thought leaders. Sometimes I feel like a word or a phrase comes up one day and then it's all I hear. Um, the joke on that was always, you know, synergy, you know, the quote of the, you know, the, square peg in a round hole, um, you know, things like that. But the, the recently we've been talking about thought leaders and what is a thought leader? And I'm not exactly sure what it means. I know some people who absolutely would be thought leaders in this field or any field. Um, I learned from them. Um, and we can call it that with, you know, capital T, capital L, those thought leaders. And I think there are people who strive to be that. And I think it's, it's important. What I think it misses as a phrase or as a label that I think on some level, every one of us is or can be a thought leader and start thinking another thing that you're not, you're not enough, taking you away from the potential you really do have your work in your career. Um, it doesn't just have to be somebody who has a tremendously novel take on what new data privacy laws are coming out globally. Um, there are lots of substantive thought leaders. And then if you compare yourself to that or what you see every day out there on LinkedIn or you know, any other social media or news, you're going to start thinking to yourself, what am I doing? You're comparing. I think a thought leader is... So many different things in so many different places and the context is critically important. If you're thinking, wait, you know, I see these published articles or other things and it makes you wonder what you're doing. You know, think about the things that you've collaborated on recently, that you've quote unquote, taught your colleague or that they've taught you or the thoughts that come to mind. I think I'd go so far to say that that is you know, local you as much as a global one, like what thoughts, what intellectual ideas, what um, you really need to learn and how do you do that and take it from different fields as well? Even within this, I deliberately earlier mentioned three people who are, when I talked about giving some kudos to some men, I mentioned three people that are unquestionably leaders and people who give a ton to our, our community as a whole. Um, there are a lot more that are out there. I mean, women who I haven't mentioned, many of whom on the podcast, even more who haven't. Um, you know, I, I learn practical things every day from colleagues, from people that 
you may not know, um, but they're the thought leaders in how do I do my job better? What are they thinking about? And, you know, I did a, an internal sanctions training the other night, um, my morning within, within my organization. And the three women who led that are members of my team um, that I work with, Sydney Merlino, Sarah Powell, Jennifer Bauman. Um, I'm, I think of them as intellectual thought leaders for me every day. Um, and that doesn't mean I'm, I'm looking for the articles that they're, they're writing. The reason I'm talking about that is I think that we start to feel inferior when you're comparing to some of those other things. So, Oh, it's easy for me to say as I'm talking on a podcast, uh, sitting here talking to myself, which is also a new experience for me. Um, and which brings me to my next point. It is our one-year COVID anniversary. Um, and I think that the impact of that is going to be felt for us for a tremendously long time um, in the compliance field and within our life. You know, in some ways, it's something people talk about constantly. I think as we, um, to me, last year on Friday, March 13th was the day that it really hit me. And now I look back and think it was so quaint when I thought we might be able to be outside like last May. Um, you know, things like AN95 masks or other things that we didn't know about before or vaccinating or non-vaccination. Um, I think that the year in this has really impacted both our lives and our work lives. I wanted to talk about both of them quickly. Um, I'm not sure if it's a rant or a rave, more of a sort of a thought. I think from a professional standpoint, um, changes the questions that we're working on. It changes the things that we need to do every day. Some of the things that we have thought were the most critically important things for us in how we would do investigations. Um, completely had to change. And I use that as an example because I'm keeping that in mind. I have a global investigation that has taken two or three you know, times longer than maybe it would have otherwise if we could just go to the office, talk to people, look at paper, even though paper is, you know, not what we're using so much right now, but that's where some of the things are. And to also build a rapport or communicate with people in person because this is a stressful time. Investigations are always stressful. I think for us, building relationships, we're now learning, this is this is a rave, we're learning ways to build our relationships and to build communities without necessarily being a person um, going that way for a while. I think that's a good thing. I think that there's a little sense of equality of that not everyone right now, we don't have everyone in the same place, or at least in the U.S. and in many countries. On the other hand, when you've got a crisis or you've got a problem, you can't all get together and brainstorm and work through or build that level of camaraderie or working on really highly sensitive investigations where you have personal things, questions maybe or things that people may not feel comfortable talking about, especially in the ethical world. I mean, it's you're asking people questions about decisions that they made or you're asking about poor behavior and you, it's very hard hurt. It's, it's Art, not a science. It's a hard thing to do to begin with, but to be able to try to do things effectively and with empathy and to build the respect within that community and the people you're working with is brutal. Um, I think that's one point. I think in the next year or so, how we handle people going back to offices or not, what do we need to do or 
are, are we accountable at certain hours? You know, how do we do that? How do we do that fairly? And how do we encourage, talk about this also a lot, and this is another, and maybe Ray, is how do we deal with what I think about as compliance on the fringes, on the edges, where it's easier to make a quick decision will save a lot of time and the harder, more ethical one when you may not feeling as close or as connected to teams and to your work or your mission as you have in the past. I think every day we do that continues further. And I think it's something we'll keep struggling with over the next couple of years. And I don't think there's a very good solution. I think one of the things to do is in our field is to make sure that you are continuing building your relationships within your business um, and to continue working amongst others. Um, I think as, as I've walked through this and thought about it, a lot of what I've talked about is treating each other well. I think that that is a huge part of ethical decision-making. I also think it is part of building your community, which is one of the points that Mary talked about is for people looking for jobs or in the market considering next moves or the situation when hiring managers or others will you know, not follow up or it goes into a dark hole or something like that. I think we have a challenge in that now with the way that you can send tons of tons of resumes or whatever through different online applicant tracking systems. So I think sometimes that is one thing. The expectation there may be a little bit different. Um, you think if you speak with a hiring manager or somebody reaches out to you, I completely agree with Mary that you know, treating people decently and with respect in that stressful process is critically important. However, I also understand how much pressure, having worked as an HR compliance professional and also worked close with our, hi with our hiring and recruiting teams, there's a lot of pressure for them as well. So while it is important to treat people right, and that should never be forgotten, what I think needs to be done is to manage expectation. If there is a shop, you're not going to be able to call people back and will send them an email. Manage the expectation. Say, you will either hear from me within X days or you'll receive an email. Or if you say that you are planning a follow-up interview, this has happened to me before. Say we're going to call you before the end of the week to schedule an interview. You know your 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 next interview. We think you're great. What time would work? Um, and then you pick some times, and then you never hear back from them again. That to me is just not the right way to do it. It's pretty simple. I think you say I'm going to call or reach out to you on or before a certain time. You do that. There's a chance you're not going to respond. You say thank you for your time, um, you know, and and don't don't confirm. I don't know when or what you'll be hearing, or if you know for sure, it won't work out. You know, say something like that because I think right now we all have to help each other through these difficult times. Um, but I also realized, you know, there are different pressures. Everyone's fighting their own battle every day. You know, while being a job seeker, you're not necessarily thinking about what may or may not be happening in the life of the recruiting uh, person, nor should you, or the hiring team. Um, you know, if they manage an expectation with you, that's important. And I would just want to say, I think that's part of our careers as a whole. Um, 
I have to say there are times where I've been tremendously behind. It may sound to some of you who I an email or something else where I have gotten behind. Um, I think a year into this to bring it full circle, I think we all feel like we're trying to do everything we can as well as we can. We're failing slightly at it all every day. Um, for me, it's within trying to the podcast, trying to build my substantive knowledge, my career, you know, keep uh, progressing, doing a great job, the work that I do in a company that I really, really like. And that doesn't even count real life. Um, when I say real life, again, I've got a couple air quotes, if you can see me. So I guess this um, soliloquy, if I were to summarize some of what I've been thinking about, it is that being a good decision maker, learning, and going back within the community to learn more about how we can be better when it comes to diversity or anything else. Thinking about this and talking about these things, every single one of us should think of you know, themselves as a thought leader. And I think we all need to realize that a year into COVID in, in the US, I know it's been longer in other countries, gentle with yourself, you're doing a great job. Uh, and you know, something for you that you think is going to help build you as a professional, both within your career in terms of substance, substantive area, and something you think you need to learn more. For me, as you know, as I just said, my um, you know, my my personal one is implicit bias um, and diversity and continuing that. That's a career-related thing. Um, and you know, substantively, I'm trying again after the sanctions conversation the other night, I'm never going to be an expert on it. Um, I want to learn more and I want to make sure I keep learning about some of these pressing issues within our, our field and also to continue my improving as an investigator. So and I'm talking a little bit about my goals. Those are just mine. And hopefully you guys have some too. But most importantly, be gentle with yourself. Hope you're enjoying the podcast. I hope if you're in the parts of the world where the weather is starting to improve after what seemed like a really long February, you get to be outside and enjoy some things. And uh, thank you all so much for listening to my first solo episode. Um, and on behalf of Mary and me and great women in compliance and the Compliance Podcast Network, thank you so much. Have a great rest of your week. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Great Women in Compliance. We hope you'll join us in honoring the great women in the compliance field by subscribing to this podcast and leaving a review.